Remember when you were a kid and you'd be watching your favorite show where the main character is faced with a decision and a little angel and devil would appear on their shoulders? The character is presented with a visual representation of the two choices they can make, one good and one evil. Well, back in 1941, the United States was presented with two characters on their shoulders. Unfortunately, there was no angel. I'm talking about the cooperation the U.S. needed to have with the Soviet Union to overcome the atrocities of Adolf Hitler's Nazi Germany. While the decision to ally with Joseph Stalin and the Soviet Union proved to be formidable, the U.S. lost the possibility of ever crushing a communist regime. Since the conclusion of World War II in 1945, relations between the U.S. and Russia have been far from ideal to say the least. Satellite conflicts and proxy wars have fueled a consistent tension between these two nations. And that's not even to mention the roughly 40-year period that we call the Cold War. What I'm suggesting is that the decision to ally with the Soviet Union in World War II not only granted communist ideology a gestation period, but all but ensured a global disagreement between two of the world's most influential countries. Now, my roaming thought here today is not just how World War III is upon us and how it's going to start, but that the Cold War never really ended. Sure, we can say that the formal fighting from World War II was over, but immediately afterwards, this period of tension and arms buildups and disagreement between ideologies of the U.S. and the Soviet Union has essentially perpetuated ever since. And now today, in 2021, our world is faced with a less than ideal situation in terms of uh, political relations between these two countries. And it's not just these two countries. So how do I see World War III really playing out? Let me explain. So essentially what I think with World War III is it's going to be a war unlike previous wars that we've seen. And I'm talking formal wars here. I'm not sure if World War III will ever be a formally declared war because, quite frankly, I feel like this Cold War period has never stopped. Sure, we can say that the conclusion of the Cold War ended when the Soviet Union or the USSR uh, formally dissolved in 1991, but I would argue that essentially it was just winning, maybe perhaps winning a battle, but not the war. Now, since the dissolvement uh, of the Soviet Union in 1991, that did not necessarily mean that relations were going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Uh, we've seen uh, in Eastern Europe, uh, there's still, for many uh, groups, there's still this desire uh, and passion for Mother Russia, right? And currently, in the situations that are going on around the world right now, uh, to me, it becomes more and more clear how these conflicts that have been going on since the 1940s really haven't gone away and how they have just manifested in different ways. Uh, first topic that I'd really like to get into uh, is with um, 
how this World War III is really gonna look. Now, I don't see it playing out where it's, you know, soldiers on the ground and tanks and things like that, uh, where a bulk of the fighting is done. I see this being essentially what's been going on the last 60, 70, 80 years, where the two, quote, superpowers, if you wanna refer to them in that sense, are gonna let others do their fighting. And it's maybe not so um, outlandish to say that because of what's going on in the world right now where we're seeing uh, maybe what I would say as a friend of a friend fighting on your behalf. Now, what I'm referring to specifically is the, call it whatever you will, I will just refer to it right now as the migrant crisis in Belarus. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with what's been going on, for months and months, Belarus has had um, migrants that have been coming from Middle Eastern countries looking at entering the European Union uh, via the Belarusian border. Now, Belarus, uh, excuse me, Bel Belarus shares borders with um, a couple of European Union nations, okay, namely uh, Poland and Lithuania. And what we've come to know is that uh, Belarusian President uh, Alexander Lukashenko has, maybe not to his own uh, acknowledgement, has been having Middle Easterns come travel to Belarus. He's essentially all but expedited their process for visas uh, to enter uh, the country. And from there, there's been reports that these migrants are being bused to the Lithuanian or the Polish borders uh, with the goal of entering the European Union. Now, it's been said that uh, this attempt uh, to really breach the EU border is being done for a couple of reasons. Some say that it's Lukashenko's retaliation for sanctions that the EU has put on his country um, for previous acts of aggression, I'll say. Um, but then there's others that say that, um, you know, Russian President Vladimir Putin is using Belarusian um, President Lukashenko as a proxy to essentially act on his behalf to destabilize the European Union uh, and thus spreading greater influence for Russia. Now, that's not to say, um, you know, I'm not getting caught up in the schmantics of why things are being done, but if you just look at what is being done, okay, uh, these are just clear actions. We know that Belarus is a, an ally of Russia and we know that Lithuania and Poland, um, both being member states of the EU, thus being um, allied to the United States, this is a severe conflict of interest, right? Um, and I just find it super ironic that the United States has been dealing with their own border crisis um, with the southern, southern border in Mexico. Uh, and it's what I've found interesting about this is how how these two border crises are being handled. Uh, one, you know, with the U.S. and Mexico, um, it's essentially been 
somewhat of a free-for-all. Uh, and all the finger-pointing gets blamed to the United States for not letting uh, these people enter the country illegally. Um, then we get into the whole debate of asylum-seeking and is this right, is this wrong? Um, and maybe that could be uh, topics for another podcast. But again, staying on this focus of, of World War III and how this is actually going to look... I'm going to say that I'm, I'm arguing that it's happening right now. And this is kind of one of the first steps um, is what's happening uh, in Eastern Europe. Now, uh, another kind of, I guess, indicator to me that, you know, World War III is being informally uh, operated right now is with Ukraine. So I remember... Years ago, I think I was in college at the time. Maybe I was in high school. I can't remember. But there's a uh, small section of the Ukraine called Crimea that, again, regardless of how it happened um, or why it happened, Russia had annexed Crimea. And I remember sitting there. I believe I was in college. I remember sitting in class, whether it was college or high school, and just being astounded that... uh, it's the 21st century and a country literally just took part of another country and that's that. I was dumbfounded by the fact that this is something that could happen. Um, but it kind of opened my eyes to the reality of geopolitics. And we look today now and there has been a massive um, buildup of military presence on both sides. Um being Russia on the eastern Ukrainian side and then, uh, or sorry, eastern Ukrainian border, and then Ukrainian troops and even American troops um, there in Ukraine. So uh, I know like last week I had come across in the news that intelligence is suggesting uh, that Russia will be invading uh, within the next week or two weeks perhaps. Um, You know, that's neither here nor there because of course Russia comes out and says that these reports are just being fabricated uh, you know to to perpetuate this uh, narrative against them um, but again just another instance of uh, this this isn't this isn't uh, friendly interactions right what we're basically what I'm going through is instances where it's tense. These aren't, I would say, productive things that are happening if you're looking for cooperation between really any two countries, um, let alone the fact that we kind of have this dividing line where you have, again, U.S. and Russia. And I know I've only really touched on, you know, the U.S. side being essentially EU, Lithuania, Poland, um, Ukraine, and then Russia. We've really only talked about Belarus. Um, and then Russia's involvement in annexing Crimea from the Ukraine. But again, it's a series of things. This World War III idea is, it's not going to be as simple as, or straightforward as, uh, the access and, and allied powers, right? It's not going to be, um, a direct conflict with, one sole entity like we saw in World War II with Nazi Germany or during the quote Cold War where you had all of these um, scattered events. It's, it's going to essentially be a spin-off of the Cold War. 
this World War III. Um, and maybe perhaps we see no greater um, media coverage of the threat of um, shows of intimidation than we do in Taiwan with China. Okay, so here we're kind of bridging off from just the sole uh, Russia-Belarusian connection here. And we go over to China. So essentially, um, you know, the situation in Taiwan has really never been... It, it's something that it's... Okay, as I see it, it's not something that's going to be solved um, unless fighting takes place. And really what China has done for a while and they continue to do is try to show their strength and influence over the island. Um, and in recent days and weeks, they've really amped that up to the point where um, more frequent flyovers and um, again, just kind of flexing that military strength that they have to kind of show Taiwan that mainland China is the, the overseer, but of course, Taiwan uh, views it the opposite. They see China as theirs, and it's essentially two different Chinas. And uh, I, I read recently, and I can't uh, recall the source off the top of my head, but just in the past couple of days, I had read an article about how um, Japan and the United States have come out and basically said that if China is going to act um, on Taiwan, that they would be bound to um, respond. Okay, and that to me, if there's going to be kind of a, uh, a a match to set off the the powder keg, my opinion, that's what it's going to be. Um, it's going to be China, kind of seeing how far they can take their influence and their power, right? But I did find it very interesting that Japan and the U.S. both basically came out and said, like, if this happens, we can't allow this to. There would be there would have to be some type of action, right? And again, I don't see, I see China, I see this kind of being really what like throws us into a World War III because quite frankly, I think China has, uh, I think they have the guts to do it. I think in terms of having a physical confrontation, whether it be uh, troops on the ground, an invasion, uh, airstrikes, whatever you want to, whatever type of violence you your imagination can can cook up. Um, I think China's the one that's gonna initiate because I feel as if they have um, a level of confidence and a a sort of determination. They're very laser focused in what's good for China and. It's not so much about what is the rest of the world going to do. It's how do we ensure our agenda, right? And so for me, that that to me is kind of the thing that's going to um, really play a big part in escalating everything else. Because I think as that um, as that area of the world and those countries in Eastern Europe um, look to handle whatever series of events plays out there, um, that's where I see then the situation with Rus Russia and Belarus in you know Lithuania, Poland, Ukraine um, escalating. Because 
to me, I see that uh, kind of exactly what had happened in World War II, where the U.S. for a time had to essentially um, dissect our resources uh, to Europe and to the the Pacific. Um, it would be the same situation, you know, where I feel as though Russia and Belarus and China, um, they are solidified enough where Belarus and Russia to a, a lesser extent are not willing to be the first to directly take action. I think China would be, like I said, I feel like they would be the ones to, to take direct action. And then that would give um, Russia the, the confidence or the, the um, yeah, we'll just say confidence. It would give Russia the confidence to advance whatever agenda that they may have um, on their western border. Now, Belarus, I feel like uh, Lukashenko is, uh, he feels very powerful that he has um, Vladimir Putin as a supporter. And again, with my, you know, this is my own opinion. If you disagree with it, that's fine. Um, that's why I make this podcast is for people to just kind of think about things in a different way. I share my two cents. If you completely disagree, that's fine. But um, yeah, that's what I think. I think Lukashenko feels very uh, empowered by Putin. And Putin is kind of sitting back playing chess. Um, again, with this perspective that, hey, the Cold War never ended. Um, and this is all part of it. And if China can be the first to act, then Russia would be willing to. And Russia knows that they have a nice um, tool at their disposal to use in uh, Lukashenko in, in Belarus. Uh, but also another thing that I just found interesting, you know, when you look at uh, the global influence or global alliances, um, Earlier this week, maybe it was this past weekend, I came across an article that I just was completely fascinated with. Uh, and that was where, uh, essentially, the African country of Uganda had, I don't know if they defaulted on a loan with China or uh, exactly what the finer details of their partnership or deal with, with China was, but essentially... Um, Uganda wasn't able to pay back money that they owed to China. And so China was essentially taking as collateral the only international airport uh, in Uganda. And right before we started, or right before I started recording this, this podcast, I went to double check some of the, the news on that to make sure that I had the right country. And, and one thing that I came across was um, just from two or three days ago, uh, this is in... SahararaReporters.com. So I'll, I'll be honest, I've never heard of this source before. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But the, the headline reads, China rejects claims of taking over Ugandan uh, airport over loan default. Essentially, it was China coming out and saying, you know, these accusations that we would ever um, uh, take ownership of, of something like this airport is completely absurd. Um, and it goes against uh, Chinese policy and basically saying that this is not true, it's not happening. Um, and again, take that with what you will. When I hear that, I don't believe a word of it for a second because, quite frankly, 
I'm fairly skeptical of essentially any um, entity with authority uh, because there's there's interest in there, you know. Um, but I digress with that. It's just one thing um, to make note of, you know. After finding that out about um, whether or not China was taking over Uganda's only international airport, I had come across some maps showing um, basically Chinese investments into Africa, and it's it's I, I don't want to say it's surprising because it really shouldn't be, but to me, I was shocked to see all of the different um, seaports and various uh, logistic uh, investments that China has in Africa. And then to see this article that the Uganda had defaulted on a loan and you know whether or not China was taking this airport, it's super interesting to me that to see that happen because then it got me thinking, what if that's part of the plan? What if part of the plan is investing in these African countries um, and you know, I don't know investments or banking or anything, but who's to say that China wasn't making these deals knowing that, uh, these countries are not ever going to be able to, um, make good on their end of the deal. And they have stipulations in place where they are going to increase their influence or their authority in this part of the world, you know, tenfold. Um, and then the opposite hand of that is let's say that there are no problems with, the deals and investments that they've worked out with these countries, well then that's great because then China still looks good because not only are they gonna make money off this, um, but now they have these countries that are gonna look to them as allies or, or trade partners, you know? So to me, that's um, kind of the cherry on top. Uh, I find it super interesting that, um, you know, maybe I have had my head in the sand the whole time about this, uh, but again, to me, it, it was, news to me that China has uh, invested so heavily in in the continent of Africa and it just got me thinking you know you look at a map and you see uh, the landmass that that Russia and China takes up and you see what these countries are doing whether directly or indirectly and it just kind of it kind of got me thinking um, I saw a lot of um, similarities between you know, some of the most recent current events in the world and the Cold War. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just got me thinking. I really don't think the, the Cold War ended. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone else out there that would uh, agree with me on that or, or how you, how you um, receive that opinion of mine. But yeah, I don't think the Cold War ever ended. Um, I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think that the, the, I don't think that there is a, um, I don't want to say peaceful, but I, I don't see, um, disputes, disagreements, um, these polarizing perspectives and ideologies. I don't see that going away. Um, and kind of to wrap up, you know, my whole thought on World War III would be, how do I see it ending? How do I see this playing out? Um, I hate to say it, I don't know, but 
worst case, let's go worst case scenario. And again, from the from the perspective of, of an American, worst case scenario, I see um, Russia expanding its western border. Um, I see China um, putting the pressure on the United States and the EU and Japan uh, to act on if and when they will take part in reacquiring uh, Taiwan. And I I honestly don't know. It's it's crazy to think about, um, you know, China developing uh, Africa to use in its favor. That's extremely intriguing to me. Um, geez, I don't know what the end point would be though. World War Three, worst case scenario. Um, I worst case scenario. I feel like there would be um, some type of nuclear weapons used. Uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Like uh, disease and viruses being used as as weapon bio. Um, you know the term. I'm basically saying, oh, biological weapons. Okay, I think that would uh, would be a, a major factor in it, and I would see power grids being uh, wiped out, um, computer security being a a massive problem, and you know, like I said, I, I don't see a majority of the fighting necessarily, or the a majority of the impact being felt from you know, soldiers on the ground uh, and, and guns uh, firing bullets on both sides. I see a lot of it being bigger um, infrastructure type attacks where um, it's the everyday citizens that would suffer. Um, again, on both sides, I see that playing out. How it would end, how do you resolve, how do you get an end to this? Um, I would say, honestly, to be continued because, you know, like I said, I feel like World War II, um, it was kind of, well, we solved one problem while we had the other one on our opposite shoulder, uh, and it just kind of led to the Cold War. And like I said, I think the transition from World War II to the Cold War, and then supposedly the Cold War being over, to whatever you want to call our situation in the world now, um, I think it would just be another continuation. Uh, to be decided or to be continued Um, but uh, yeah that's kind of my perspective on World War 3 and how it's just been kind of slowly unraveling before our eyes whether we notice it or not Uh, again that's just my roaming thoughts Um, if you've stuck around this long I really appreciate it Uh, I'd love to hear your guys's comments or perspective or any other um, you know tidbits here and there to go off on. If you have some type of uh, what if scenario like World War III um, that you want me to kind of give my two cents on and play out play out the story of how I see it going, uh, feel free to reach out to me on you know social media. Um, you can find me at the Roman Colt on Twitter. So. Again, uh, thanks for sticking with me on uh, this episode of World War III. And yeah, we'll catch you guys for the next one. And uh, keep those thoughts rolling.